Welcome to the McGuire Iron Podcast. My name is Brian Cooper. I am the Director of Business Development and Marketing at McGuire Iron and your host for this podcast. At McGuire Iron, we've been helping to store and protect quality water for over 100 years. On this episode, our guest is Eric Volk, the Executive Director of the North Dakota Rural Water Systems Association. Eric has been with the association since 2002, where he started as a water systems training specialist. Eric is a lifelong resident of North Dakota and currently lives in Velva, North Dakota. Yes, the home of Dots Pretzels. He's the proud father of two young ladies and was blessed to become a grandpa this year. Eric holds a biology and chemistry degree from the University of Mary in Bismarck and is a two-time member of the university's Athletic Hall of Fame. Eric, welcome to the McGuire Iron Podcast. Thanks, Brian. Let's start with North Dakota Water, Water Systems Association. Who are you guys? When are you founded? Give me a little bit of the backstory of the organization. Yeah, we were started back in 1974 when rural water development was just at the infancy in, in North Dakota. We had a lot of volunteers out there trying to get water to rural residents and communities, and they just needed you know, a universal voice and, and somebody to lean on. So it was created in, in 74. And in 1974, there kind of corresponded to the uh, EPA Safe Drinking Water Act, um, you know, their first rendition. So not only were they struggling to <clears throat> get the water to people, but now they had all these rules and regulations. So um, that's where we started. And we've kind of morphed into a, we do a lot of training and technical and managerial and financial assistance to all small and rural water and wastewater systems in the state. Who are members of North Dakota Rural Water and what does that look like for you as an organization? So we've got a few different uh, membership um, categories. We've got our rural and regional systems, you know, the founders of the association and they are the, the voting members. Uh, of the association so they take care of the bylaws and they have the board members on our executive um, board and then we've got um, the communities out there um, North Dakota has a lot of small communities um, most of the cities are are members of our association I think there's about 325 community water systems in the state and we have most of those as as members then we've got the associate members like McGuire Iron, so partners in the water and wastewater industry that we can um, do things with, whether it's, you know, get some leads on some products or help systems with the latest and greatest and training and things like that. And then we do have a uh, a large group of individual members that just want to do a little bit more and, and um, you know, become an individual member just to, just to help the cause that they believe in. Yeah, that's great. And, you know, all of these different membership types have benefits specifically for your regional water and your community water systems, which is where you put most of your focus. What are some of those benefits that those members get that you are day to day helping them out with? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, with our smaller water systems, you know, we have um um, great field people out there that that make the rounds and visit these systems, you know, on a routine basis. We have two uh, water circuit riders that um, take care of water issues. We've got two wastewater techs that um, mainly just deal with 
any of the wastewater issues. Uh, we've got a source water protection specialist. We have a trainer on staff, and then we do have a small uh, grant to help the tribal systems in the state on a on a part time basis. So we have experts, you know, from A to Z in the water and wastewater industry. You know, a lot of these small systems they just don't have the resources. Um, some of these systems are a revolving door with, you know, operators, or you get an operator that, you know, was maybe the, you know, worked at the local whatever, and now they're placed into the uh, water operator role without any any guidance or experience. So we can come in and help them get off on the right foot. Workforce is something that, you know, everybody is dealing with right now, and you touched on it a little bit, but how how is North Dakota Rural Water trying to help um you know, these rural water systems and your community systems with this whole workforce and training and just all of the stuff that goes into that. Yeah, and we actually um, do have an apprenticeship, registered apprenticeship program, um, National Rural Water. Um, Our parent organization took the lead on that. And then each of the states, um, if they chose to do so, could could develop their own state-specific uh, apprenticeship program. So we're still in the uh, infancy phases there, but hoping to to reignite that and and you know start grooming the next generation of water and wastewater uh, people. What does that program look like? I mean, this is something that I know rural water is pushing. And so, what does that look like? You know, specifically for North Dakota. So our apprenticeship program is it's a two year program, and there's two sides to it. There's a the on-the-job training, so they work with a, a system and have the 2,000 hours, so a, a full year of um, supervised on-the-job training, and then there's 288 hours of of formal training that that person would have to take in in the, in the two years. And you know, we crafted uh, this program where you know a lot of the stuff can be done virtually, so you're not having to work 40 hours a week and then go somewhere for you know, 12 right, hours right. And, and take a class on a, on a Saturday or a Sunday, you know, with the technology out there. We have some partnerships with uh, Bismarck State College. Uh, they got a, have had a water program for a, a long time. Um, so this person would, you know, if they fully did the two years, they'd come out with, you know, two years of, of paid on the job training. They'd have the formal training, probably a lifetime's worth of <laughs> of training packed in that that two years. And then um, the way we've set it up, if you take the some of the college classes, you know, you can you know propel yourself into you know a certificate from the college, an associate's degree, and then you're pretty darn close to getting. Um, they do have a a four year degree, and it would be like an energy management degree. So if that person could, you know work out perfectly. I mean, after a short period of time, they could come away with a, you know, four-year management degree and, and all the experience that goes with it. That's awesome. What has the response been like to the program? It's a tough sell. You know, it's new, new to the industry. Um, so you have to try to explain not only to the people that would be the apprentice, but you have to have that cooperation with the, with the system. And, you know, it's an industry that uh, especially in North Dakota, that you haven't gone that route. You know, it's it's not, you know, like our electrical industry with the linemen. I mean, they're just, that's just an expected, <laughs> you know, 
it, it's already set up. It's expected that they would go through this and everything's kind of been set out for years and years and years. And, and now the education is uh, to get the systems to know what they have to do. <laughs> you know, what do I have? You know, you, you visit with the systems and they say, well, all right, what's it going to cost me? And how much paperwork am I going to have to do? Um, but the great thing, there is, there's money out there to help, you know, offset salaries and offset, you know, the cost of training. So, um, you know, hopefully we can be that, you know, that connection between the system and the apprentice and then these, some of these funding sources, whether it's through the state or the federal government. How long has this program uh, been around and how long have you guys been working to get it kind of up and running, you know, with all these partnerships and those kind of things? You know, I believe we set the standards um, just just a couple of years ago and then just trying to refine it. And and um, at the beginning, we didn't have a full time person. Um, so now we had a full time person, but we're kind of in between in between that stages now. So, right. Um, but National Rural Water is great. Um, they've got someone that was the, you know, that worked in the state and worked for the federal government, and she knows the, you know, 24 years of of working with that. She knows the the thing up and down. So we lean on her quite a bit to to help us out, so we can get you know that first round of uh, graduates, I guess to say in our in our program and through our program. Right. And we talked about workforce a lot, and this is a great way to respond and try and replace some of those operators because, you know, as the population ages, you know, we're going through what everybody's calling the great resignation. And so, you know, just as those, those water operators out there who've been doing it a long time start to retire, there's going to, there's a large need for young operators to come into the system and, you know, start, start participating. Definitely, definitely. And, you know, we had our, our conference a couple of weeks ago and, you know, people, including myself, <laughs> more gray hair every, every year. Right. So we just need to, you know, you need to have that, you know, succession plan in place, you know, before you need it, not panic and, and hire that first person that's gives the application. So, right. And during your explanation of the process, you talked about, you know, having, having options so you can do a lot of this virtually. And all of us know the last two years have been, you know, unprecedented times because of the pandemic. What are some of the things like, are there other areas like this where you guys have responded in a different way than you have in the past to do business differently, to continue to help your members through, you know, the last couple of years? Right, right. I mean, we we switched a few things uh, virtually, and you know, during the peak of the pandemic in North Dakota, we did take a a break from our formalized, you know, in in the classroom, hands on training. Um, but you know, the water and wastewater industry, I mean, it's it's hands on. It's pretty I mean, hands on. Yeah, I mean, there's there's some things. I mean, if you work at a big water treatment plant, maybe you're you know doing you know, controls and, and, and this and that, but for the most part, I mean, water and wastewater, if you have a water break or a sewer issue, it doesn't care if there's a pandemic, you need to get down in that hole and, and, and fix it. Uh, um, so kudos to my staff. I mean, we were cautious at the beginning, but 
but we were out there, you know, business as usual to, to help systems out. I mean, it was just tough to say, we'd sure love to help you, but <laughs> you know, we, we can't be there. And, and my staff, I mean, they've all, they've worked around things like that, whether it's, you know, on the wastewater side with, you know, hepatitis and, you know, other strains of, of whatever, when they're dealing with the public. So, I mean, they're a smart bunch and, and they knew, you know, how to, how to set their schedules up and to make sure that people were comfortable with what needed to be done. And, you know, if the work was done, most of the work was done outside. I mean, that kind of hopefully limited the exposure to anything. Right. And kind of along those same lines, you know, you've been at North Dakota Roll Water for quite a while now. What are some of the big changes or some of the trends that you're seeing from the time you came in to where we're at now and where things may be going in the future for North Dakota Roll Water? Yeah, I just I thought about that. And, you know, just, just some of the, the technology out there is just, I mean, just crazy what what can be done and, and what's on the, on the horizon on, in, in the industry, you know, whether it's, you know, everything's, you know, you put the title smart in front of it. It's just, it's just whether it's a, a, a meter or a monitoring device or, or whatever it may be. Um, but I mean, there's still, there's still some consistencies out there and, you know, people will always need to be trained. There will still be <laughs> operator turnover. Um, you know, we still have pipes that are seven and a half feet underground that have to be dealt with. Um, but, you know, I, I think some of the, the new technologies will will help us get, get over that hump and, and continue on. What are some of the other issues, you know, that you face your members? I know you know, across the board, we always talk about workforce, which we've touched on a little bit, but then, you know, different sources of funding, regulation, training, what does all that look like in North Dakota right now? Yeah. So we're lucky enough in the state of North Dakota where, um, back in the eighties and early nineties, the water groups came together and were able to secure 20% of the oil extraction tax would go to water product projects, not just drinking water, rural flood control, you know, rural drainage and, and things like that. So, you know, that's been a great help to get some of these projects uh, completed. Um, but when projects are billion dollar projects, you right. know, that 20, 20% isn't, isn't nearly enough, but it is a great help. I mean, there's um, some other state funds and now, you know, the federal government has come out with Oh, their infrastructure funds, um, and hopefully we can put those to good use because there is a, a huge need. We've got a lot of aging infrastructure, a lot of small systems that, you know, just don't have the economies of scale to, to pay for things that they, you know, put in 50, 60 years ago when they had maybe a little bit uh, bigger population. A lot of, a lot of old water towers around there. <laughs> Maybe right. you guys could help out with that. <laughs> right. And yeah, and that's one of the things because I think that that's one really important point for the listeners to really understand is when these distribution systems, these wastewater systems were put in 60, 70, 80 years ago, that's great. But when they have to be upgraded, you know, that, that costs a lot of money. People don't realize how much pipe is just in the ground. 
And so having having ways to pay for this, fund it, is is really really important. Yeah, exactly. It's you know you still have people living there, so you have to still get them the water. Um, but again, um, <laughs> they're going to have to get creative in in how they fund it and and how they design it, and to make sure that it's you know. You know, just like uh, Goldilocks with the porridge, just the right <laughs> just temperature. Right. Yeah. So one of the things that uh, North Dakota Rural Water does, too, is uh, lobby legislators, you know, the go- the governor's office. You know, we've a year ago, um, the federal government did something kind of unprecedented. They've never done it before, is they gave uh, the American Rescue Plan Act money directly to municipalities, not not rural water systems, but a lot of your members got money for water projects or money they could use for water projects. How have you seen that working in North Dakota? And talk a little bit about how your association helps its members by lobbying organizations like the governor's office or the legislator legislators in the state. So, yeah, um, I serve as the association's lobbyist, you know, I work on water policy and, and, Water funding, like I said, with the Resources Trust Fund is the 20% of that uh, oil extraction tax so that we have to work on that every biennium. So our legislature meets every odd year for for 80 days. Um, So we work hard to make sure that, um, you know, policy is correct and and the water funding gets in the the right direction. And with the federal money, we did have a special session here in November and they worked hard at getting all that money to where it was supposed to go. I think they had about nine to $10 billion worth of wish list projects from all the uh, state entities. And then I think they whittled it down to, I think they, you know, gave out maybe 700 and some million but the water groups we were able to successfully lobby to get an additional 75 million uh, put into the water bucket and the hope there that um, you know the rural systems and small systems could maybe get a a portion of that it wasn't designated to anything it was just put into the um, state water commission budget as as a general dollar amount but hopefully we'll be able to get some of that um, or it would help get some of the larger projects off the table. And then in, in future years, there would be more uh, available funding for the, the smaller projects. Right. That's that's great news because a lot of times, you know, those the, the thing about infrastructure, especially water and wastewater, is nobody really notices it until it doesn't work. When you turn on your faucet, you just expect, you know, clean, potable, quality water. And when, you know, you take a shower or flush the toilet, you just expect that to be taken care of but don't realize all of the moving pieces in the background to make all that happen. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. People just, you know, they take, take it for granted and you know, those water professionals and wastewater professionals, I mean, they should, they should get recognized more than, than what they, they are, you know, they only get recognized when things don't work and, but they forget about the, you know, 364 days (laughs) that they, (laughs) that they did well. You know, and they can't, they can't make a mistake. They've got to have a, a perfect product uh, every time so nobody gets sick or the wastewater that's discharged doesn't, you know, pollute the, the environment. Yeah, those are all great points. I guess my last question for you is kind of looking ahead and 
What what's exciting for you right now at North Dakota Rural Water? What are the things coming out on in the future? You you touched on the um, the program that you guys are starting to get wastewater and water operators into the system, and that's a great a great program. But what are some of the other things you guys are excited about? You know, I guess as a association, you know, you know, goes back to our goes back to our vision of all of North Dakota has access to affordable, ample, and quality water. You know, we want to use some of these, you know, maybe some of the oil tax money to to help make sure that every resident that wants good water can get it, whether you're a rural resident or you've been in a city uh, where you haven't been able to use the water other than flushing the toilet. Um, you know, those things still get me excited when, you know, you hear the story of, you know, you know, a couple that have lived on their farm for umpteen many years and, you know, water has been horrible. And, you know, the day they get the rural water into, into their property and, you know, it's just like we talked, I mean, everybody takes it for granted and those people maybe have hauled it or, you know, never been able to really use it. And the same thing with, with the city setting, um, you know, it, just the excitement to see those people uh, get that get that water is 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 still an awesome feeling for me. All right, Eric. Well, I appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule to give us a snapshot of what's going on at North Dakota Rural Water. All right, anytime. Remember, you can always connect with us by going to our website, mcguireiron.com. You can ask questions by sending us an email at info at mcguireiron.com, or you can follow and reach out to us on any of our social media platforms. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Thank you for joining us on the McGuire Iron Podcast.